From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it as we move ever closer to the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are glad and pleased to welcome in Blake Young, the uh, president and CEO of the Sacramento uh, <laughs> Sacramento uh, Food Bank. Uh, Blake, good to, good to hear your voice. Hey, good to hear yours, Bob. Thank you. Wow. Um, what, I'm, I, I was thinking of, of Thanksgiving as I'm introducing you, and I'm going, it's not Thanksgiving anymore. It's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, how time flies, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, uh, it seems to me you should have a, a Christmas Day run. I think, trust me, Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving, we're, we're blessed to have it, but it takes a lot out of us. Boy, doesn't it? it you, know, you know, people don't, I don't think people realize that that's a, that's a, almost a 12-month planning job, isn't it? Oh, you bet, for sure. And, you know, we have, we have a, a nice committee of folks that have been with us a long time. But, yeah, it, between, between trying to, you know, communicate to sponsors and, and try to get all the logistics set up. And like this year, we changed the course a little bit. So, yeah, getting the police and all the folks on board, it, it takes, it's a year-round deal. So have you had time to, uh, you know, assess all the numbers? We have. We, we, this was our second largest event of, wow. uh, you know, in the last 29 years. Wow. Uh, we did very well um, on the revenue side, um, folks. Folks gave a lot of donations, and they gave above and beyond their registration. So, I mean, we, we I feel, you know, it, it, it was a very successful year. Um, we're, we're hoping um, that our 30th, I mean, kind of celebrate, celebrate fun in the 30th, but we, we feel the 30th year is going to be really good. But, uh, but you know, sit back and kind of just enjoy what we, we had for the, for the uh, 29th. It was, it was really, really good, and everything went off smoothly. You know, it's, it, that's remarkable because we, we're still, we, we may be calling it a post-COVID world. We're not, we're not quite sure where we are with all that. But there's still a lot of people that, you know, just are staying away from crowds. And to, to draw a number like that, that's, that's remarkable. Yeah, I think that, I think, that um, I think people were excited and ready to get out. But yeah. to your point, I think people are still being cautious for sure. Boy, that's, that's just great. Second largest ever. Second largest ever. So I mean, that tells you people were ready. Um, and I, you know, I also have to believe that, you know, people hunger issues and supporting the organization is high on folks' list. And I also have to think that it, it's become a tradition for a lot of people. Um, you know, their families, their grandkids, and folks travel now to to. Uh, to come to family events like this. So, you know, I, I think all of that played a point. And I also think at the end of the day that people just, gosh darn it, I think people just want to get out and have a good time again. Any, any stories from the run that you can share with us? You know, uh, the first thing, so I, I always have a lot, but I think the first thing that comes to mind is um, uh, very, very proud again to have Bishop Soto uh, up on the left with us. Yep, That's a yep. tradition and, and nice, nice response there. And 
the other, you know, the other thing is, is we honored our men and women in uniform, and I was able to bring up our new um, Sacramento police chief, and uh, we brought up a young man uh, that flew all the way from North Dakota in the United States Air Force, and wow. we brought him up, and we honored um, our new police chief, and we honored a young man serving in the United States Air Force. So that that I was I was very proud of that. And uh, the young man from, uh, I'm guessing it's Minot, probably, in North Dakota. No, it's actually, it's actually Grand Forks. Oh, it was Grand Forks. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Uh, I've, yep. I've, I've covered football games there before. It's a beautiful city. Uh, but I'll bet he thought uh, uh, it was time to get his suntan with <laughs> coming from North Dakota in December or uh, late, late November. Absolutely. In fact, uh, it was like... 20-something minus degrees. Yeah. I, I just, I, I could not believe the weather he was sharing with me. But, uh, but he was, he was so, you know, he's from the, he's from Sacramento County. But so he's stationed he in, in uh, Grand Forks. But he's stationed in Grand Forks, North Dakota. So yeah. it was nice to get him on the lift. And he was such a wonderful young man. And then obviously having our police chief, it's just, it was just wonderful to be able to integrate uh, you know, the American flag and having Bishop Soto up there and then honoring uh, folks that uh, serve our community. It was, it was really a special thing. That's wonderful. I think in Grand Forks they, do, they all do their, their Thanksgiving run virtually. <laughs> <laughs> well, good point. And, uh, and uh, you know, the, speaking of the virtual, I mean, you know, there's yeah. such, a wonderful, such, such a wonderful option. And, you know, years ago we wouldn't have thought about sure. that is such a nice addition, but it's been great. Oh, that's just, that's just wonderful. What, you know, what percent of your budget does, does this raise? Well, it's interesting. I, it, that's actually a great question, Bob, because when you and I used to talk five years ago, it was now, now let's, I want to be clear. It's very significant regardless, right. but right. it's, it, it's become less of a percentage simply sure. because the, the organization has grown tremendously because of demand. Right. But, I will tell you, uh, 10% of our budget is recognized in, in this uh, in this event. And if you you know if you know our business, 10% is very significant. That's a huge and number. It's 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 a huge number. And and you know I I look at the money one thing, but the other thing is it's just the the opportunity to to have that platform to talk yep. about these issues and for folks to recognize what we do is is just as big. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's really true. All the various fundraisers I've been involved in over the many years in my hometown, one of the things that is so important is just is raising the visibility of the charity, whatever their what whatever their uh, mission is. Uh, suddenly, they're in the news. Uh, you know, TV cameras are there, and people say, "Oh, I hadn't heard of that." And people have heard of the Sacramento Food Bank, of course, but. Um, the, the, the publicity is worth its weight in gold as well. No, 100%. And just you asked the question. So just a, a other quick story is I had a family again. This happened to me last year, but I had a family again that, that came up to me with their entire family and, and, and was so excited to participate in the Run to Feed the Hungry because they, they used to receive services from us, mm. and they've gotten themselves out of a, a t tight situation, and they were so prideful to be able to register for the run and be involved they came up and, and told me their story and it was just very heartwarming boy that's you know that's such wonderful stuff and uh, there are probably a lot more people like that than you know Blake. you know uh that uh, maybe they don't they don't all come come forward but there sure 
happy that uh, somebody uh, was able to lend them a helping hand when they needed it, and now they're now they're paying it back. You know, and yeah. not that they need to pay it back, but but they're 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 proud to, and they're happy to. Yeah, I think I think proud is a a really good word, and and I these folks were so proud, and they had their kids with them, and. Uh, what, what, again, we, you and I have talked about teachable moments. What, what, what a wonderful opportunity. And, and they're not really thanking me. They're thanking the organization. Sure. I'm just a representative of it. But it was just, it was really heartwarming, and it was just really wonderful. That, that probably sticks out to me the most. Wow. So how long from start to finish does it take to move all those bodies that far? It, actually, it takes a long time. People, <laughs> pe- people, people mingle too. So yeah, we, sure. I mean, gosh, a good thirty minutes. I mean, you would be really surprised at how long and and how how long it takes just to get folks through J Street. It's, sure, it's sure, absolutely amazing. But and of course, the music doesn't help because folks want to hang out and dance and party. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's quite a celebration. I, I remember years ago running in the uh, Bay to Breakers in San Francisco. Uh, I think it was in May, and about eight miles is from the Bay to the Breakers. And oh my goodness, uh, you know they they put all these elite runners kind of up front, the ones that are actually going to run and be serious. And the rest of us are way just back, waiting our turn. And I remember we we finally started moving, and and we had been moving about an hour. And I wow. said to the guy next to me, I said, "So so, where are we? Halfway? Where where are we?" And he says, "No, we're not to the starting line yet." <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, you know, it's it's a. Uh... It's not quite that big, but I mean, it. You know, again, we're, we're, we still can say we're the largest Thanksgiving Day run in the country, yep. and you know, it's. I, I think, I think, it, it's really perfect for Sacramento. It's, it's the, the neighborhood's perfect, and the folks that support us. It's just a perfect day. You know, we were talking to somebody the other day, and and we were talking about just what is it about Sacramento that is so generous uh, you know I, I i guess maybe it's because it's named for a city named for the blessed sacrament is the best i can come up with which is probably a pretty good reason but it is a, this is a very generous community i i remember during hurricane katrina talking to some civil defense type people in uh, um, new orleans and they told me they said we, we got donations from all over the country but number one was sacramento Wow, I mean that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, 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 you know, your reasoning makes perfect sense, you know, for <laughs> for someone who's, <laughs> but, but we've, you know, we we have been extremely blessed, and you know, folks, folks have supported the work for so long. I mean, I, gosh, I mean, I, it, it, it just it, it tickles me every time I think, you know, when I look out the lift of the Run to Feed the Hungry and think, wow, there's this many people in Sacramento that take the time during Thanksgiving uh, to come out and uh, support the organization is just just absolutely amazing. Blake, your your own story is very unique in terms of how you got involved uh, in the food bank. Oh, you're throwing me a curveball. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, yes, it, it is. I mean, I, you know, I started as a volunteer. I, you know, I, I, I was working at a logistics company and we, we got together and brought down some turkeys for Father Dan. And uh, I met Father Dan and, you know, started volunteering. And, you know, there was a opportunity and I had done charity work throughout my life, starting in Catholic schools. And, mm-hmm. 
you know, I just went home to my wife one day. We were, we, we don't, we've been married about three years and, uh, we had a kid on the way and I said, I'm leaving everything going to work for father. Wow. <laughs> she, wow. She thought, I, she thought I was crazy, but, uh, <laughs> but she knew that this is the type of work that really, that really, um, it, it appealed to really you. Was imp- yeah. appealed to me and, you know, the rest is history. So, you know, yeah. I take a lot of pride in working for the organization and providing services to the community. It's, it, it does as much for me as I do for it. Yeah, and Father, you grew up in this area, is that right? I did not. I grew up in Bakersfield. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, Kern County. Yeah, I went, went, went to Garson Memorial High School. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, very very well known. And, uh, yeah. Uh, wow, that's, a, that's, that's fabulous. Yeah, it's great. Great people down there. I've had, a, had a, opportunities to speak down there a few times to groups and uh, just a lot of wonderful people in the, deep down in the valley, right at the end of the valley. Yeah, you know, when I when I got to Sacramento, I you know I I done charity work in the military. I done it in high school and college, and I just looked for a place that this kind of fell in my lap. We 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 had a big group of people at the company to to go get turkeys and bring them to Father Dan, and mm-hmm. you know I I you know just being around priests all my life. I mean, it was just the work that he was doing was just absolutely amazing, and I, uh, I you know I I just I, I felt a sense of camaraderie with the organization and it just it 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 really meant a lot to me and to to give back and then obviously when a position to open up i jumped on it and you know gosh that was 27 years ago wow wow yeah father father dan is uh he's an impressive guy he is and i I, you know i i think there's there's a lot of there there was a lot of father dan's throughout the, the the nation and the world that that you know uh the Irish Catholic priest that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that was very astute at fundraising and, and, and it really just gathering people for some sort of purpose. And, yeah. and he was, he was really, really good at that. And, you know, I, I had the pleasure of working under him for quite, quite many years. And, um, I still talk to him and, and, and visit with him, uh, today. So it's, uh, it's been a real blessing in my life. Yeah, you know, I was I was at the uh, Bishop Gagos maternity home dinner in uh, their annual dinner in September, yeah. and yeah. there's Father Dan, and oh, he was one of the founders. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah. just like uh, I, I don't think I've been to an event in this diocese where Father Dan isn't there, whether a, a Catholic event or not. You know, a, a charitable event, he's always there. Yeah, and he has a very unique way of pulling people together and getting getting work done. I think that's I think that's a skill that that is un, underappreciated and uh, in in our in our world in the charity world that's a really important skill set. So did this all start at Immaculate Conception? It, it did, and then moved over to uh, well, it, it's still Oak Park, but sure. it, it, the, the, you know, uh, then 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 they were able to expand in that building in Oak Park, and then the rest is history. But a lot, you know, I I, I think back. At, at, when I came to the organization, it was a small group of people doing really big things, mm-hmm. and uh, and a lot of them are still involved. I mean, literally, I still call and and thank and write letters to people that were involved 30 years ago that are still involved today, wow. and that tells you a lot. That tells you a lot about the organization. Yeah, it sure does. You know, it's just one of one of the messages I always try to depart to my kids or anybody who wants to listen to me is is. Uh, you think, oh, one person can't make a difference, or you know, a handful of people can't make a difference. The world's problems are so big, 
and by golly, uh, I can I can name five or six organizations just in our immediate area that were started just with a just a handful of people, maybe even just one person with an idea, and certainly uh, Sacramento Food Bank is is one of those. Well, it is, and I will tell you honestly, in the last thirty days, I've 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 talked to physically talked to over the phone or in person the the folks that are alive god bless them um that are still alive and still involved and they i still look to them for guidance and mentorship and they still give it and and give time and uh i i i just think the work the work is more important than anything else Mm -hmm. the mission of the organization and it just uh we, we i still rely on a lot of folks who were Father Dan's very close compatriots uh, to guide me in some of the decisions we make. Yeah, and you know, the, the, the other interesting thing is is you're one of those uh, almost a first responder when it came to uh, the pandemic, that yeah. you're one of the places that, I mean, there's so many places, uh, whether it's restaurants or businesses or, or you know, people that uh, provide all kinds of services, barbershops, et cetera, uh, they just cl- had to close their doors, literally just close their doors. We're no longer in business, and some of them haven't come back. You guys didn't have the option to just say, but it, it hurts your volunteer force for sure. Um, it, it, it made things very difficult for you guys, but you had to stay open. Well, I will tell you that, we, we, yes, and, and uh, talk about essential workers. Our staff has, from the day the pandemic hit, Till still today, we are running 150 percent. I, I and that is that is I'm being totally honest when I when I say that even yesterday we had some of the biggest numbers that we've ever had in our distributions and our, our uh, serving our agency. So it is not slowed down at all. Our staff has been there. They they took a lot of risks in the early days. Uh, they're totally committed. Our volunteers. Uh, God bless them, um, who don't get paid to do the work. We're out there. And, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's hard to – it's unbelievable to say this, but we're still in uh, an incredible challenge uh, mm-hmm. between inflation and some of, the, uh, some of the ends of COVID and all of the challenges with supply chain. I mean, we're still in the thick of it. I'll tell you that right now. Well, you know, it's funny. My wife and I were talking about this this morning. You know, they, there was some, some report on the news that, you know, the inflation last year was uh, 10% or whatever it was. And they said that's that's cooled down to 7%. And you go, oh, well, yeah. that's a good sign. But actually, that 7% is on top of the 10%. It's it's kind of like we're still going into de- in debt, but not quite as quickly. If, if it was bad yesterday, it's worse today. It's only when inflation is at zero that things start imp- actually improving for people yeah i mean unfortunately we have i mean what we're seeing right now is just uh, you know similar to the height of the pandemic where mm-hmm. people that generally speaking don't don't rely on services for us they are coming i mean they they are and they're not happy about it that they're you know they're humble and they're a little bit embarrassed and they're like look you know i you know, I find tremendous value in the services you provide. I always have, but re- I really do now because I'm the one relying on them. And uh, I don't think that's going to subside anytime soon. So 
obviously you've you've been there 27 years. You've seen the ebb and flow, and I'm sure it's it's almost like second nature to you to kind of predict, you know, how things are going to go, how what 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 the 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 load is going to be, et cetera. Do you ever just get a big surprise, something that it, either good or good or a bad surprise, where you go, wow, I didn't see this coming. Well, the first thing that comes to mind, the, the, the good is human nature. Yeah. I mean, on the, so human nature on the resiliency of the folks that need us, the, the, the absolute generosity on the people that support us, the tenacity of the folks that work for us, that, that those are all good things. My, my concern is is that uh, the perfect storm is getting ready to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we, 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 the inflation, the cost of goods and cost of living in California – um, the supply chain, I, th- I think that we're going to have a lot of challenges in 2023. And it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're not going to work hard to, to, to rise up and meet the challenges. But I, I, think, I think for the very near future, uh, people in Sacramento County and California in general are going to have a very difficult time uh, affording just the very basics. And uh, these are lovely, good folks that are trying to raise their children. They're trying to take care of their parents. Uh, that are just trying to do good stuff, and they're having a really hard time. So, you know, we're we're going to dig in, um, and we're going to do our very best to try to serve people, get through get through this challenging, you know, next year. I think 2023 is going to be tough, and uh, with, with all things considered, and uh, and you know, but but I do I do you know I, I'm I'm an optimist by nature. I mean, I think that things will uh, turn around, but, but there's always going to be a segment of the population, even if it comes and goes, that are going to need services like ours. And so we just have to do our very best to manage our resources and uh, continue to, to recruit talent and uh, and ask volunteers to give a little bit more. And I think I think we'll be able to be okay. So I know you coordinate and collaborate with uh, uh, your fellow uh, uh travelers or, or you know other food banks around the country is, is sacramento kind of right in the in the middle of it is, are things worse here or things better here how do you how do you assess where we are compared to other parts of the state or the country that's a great question so i i think so what comes to mind for me is first off we're in a we're in a really good position because we grow a lot of food mm-hmm. and we have a lot of access to food so if you live in indiana i mean you, you're limited yep um I, so I also think in California, particularly northern and southern, um, your your cost of living is so high that that your your that the, the need and the demand is going to be there for, for for in my opinion for quite some time. Right. Um, the the rest of the quite frankly the rest of the nation is very jealous, um, and and I don't mean that in a negative way of all the fruits and vegetables <laughs> that we grow oh, yeah. and all all the manufacturing that we have here for you know uh, food processing. So. Um, you know, I think California is, is, I think it's two sides of the coin. They have a lot of resources. The problem is, is people need a lot of resources. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you mentioned your, the young man from, uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, you know, I mean, and, and all due respect, the, the great people there, they raise wheat and they raise potatoes. Uh, yeah. they don't grow a lot of, uh, apples and oranges and, and, uh, nuts and uh, those things just don't grow in that part of the country. You know, we're, we're so big here on, uh, 
uh, eat local, you know, support local and all that. And I go, yeah, that's that's great for us, but uh, it doesn't work so good in, in North Dakota and South Dakota and places like that. You mentioned Indiana. We have, uh, I can't tell you, and you know how, how many crops you, you, you read the reports from the USDA, and it'll say, well, 97% of the almonds in the country are raised in California, you know, 92% of the artichoke or whatever it is. It's, uh, we, we, we don't just lead the nation, we basically feed the nation. Yeah, and that's a great point, but, but, but I will tell you that 90% of the people that come to our services aren't asking for an artichoke, and I, and I mean that respectfully. <laughs> I know that's I, true. Know, yeah, and the thing is, is that, you know, unfortunately, the folks that are coming to us for services are looking for the basics, and they're right. humble, they're appreciative, they want eggs, they want potatoes, yep. you know, they want, they want bread, they want soups, they want nutritious food, fresh fruits and vegetables that they're going to cook, and uh, that's something else we stress, and so... Um, you know, it, uh, it's so like Indiana, you know, um, uh, you know, we, we kind of put an, <laughs> pardon, a, pardon, a uh, pun, but we, we kind of put an Indiana spin on our business, which is <laughs> let's focus first on the basics. Let's yep. get people fed. Yep. Let's make sure, let's make sure it's nutritious food. Let's, let's promote cooking and, you know, uh, budgeting. And, uh, and then we can look for what I consider the, the part, you know, the frills and chills. I mean, I, artichokes and kiwis and those things are wonderful but you know at the end of the day we want to make sure that uh, we supply the the, the basics and and work on the secondary stuff um on top of that do do most of the people that you serve they they have an ability to to cook the food oh yeah so this this is you know because we supply groceries and a lot of it's perishable now uh they're folks with refrigerators now we supply food to the um, agencies that help the homeless, right. but they're, they're cooking hot meals. Right. The majority of people that are coming to our services and our, pan, and our agencies, they have refrigerators, and they're, 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 looking for, they're looking for groceries, and they're looking for ways to extend the food that they receive, right? right. So, so legumes, rice, you know, pastas, um, you know, eggs, I mean, you know, proteins, meats, you know, thing, things that they can, they can cook and they can make last because a lot of folks that come to us are seniors and they're young families with children. What's the, what's the, the one or two items you, you wish you could have more of and it's just hard to get or too expensive to get? Oh, w- without a doubt, meat. Meat, yeah. No, w- you know, without a doubt. The, the, you know, if I, I mean, if I, if, if, I, if I owned Google, the first thing I would do is sell it, and I would buy protein for everyone. Uh, yep. Um, and just because it, it's something that simply people can't afford. The second thing is I think we're doing a really good job, fruits and vegetables. I mean, especially vegetables. We are getting a ton of good food, but, but we all know that you don't just you don't open a package of zucchini Nope. and start eating it. You, you need to prepare it. So right. there, there's a lot that goes along with that. But, uh, but if, if, you know, if I had a magic wand, I'd, I'd, I'd get high-quality meat uh, to folks just because it, it really adds to their health. Oh, sure it does. And, you know, and, and boy, meat is one of the things, the items that has just skyrocketed in the last year or two. Oh, sky, skyrocketed. But I will tell you, the, the thing that we supply a lot of, that people love, that I'm very proud of, is we, we buy truckloads of eggs and mm-hmm. they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're california eggs they're very good and you know you and i know i mean if you're if you cook 
there's so many applications yep. to eggs. There, there's just, I mean, eggs are hard to beat. You can you can do a ton with eggs, and and the good thing is for families, most kids will eat them. You know, I mean, they they like them. <laughs> you know. Me, me included. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, especially if, uh, I, with the young ones, especially if you scramble them, you know, the, they, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's great. Well, Blake, it's it's such a joy to talk to you always. Uh, I hope uh, you and all the people you deal with and your family, uh, you have a happy and holy and Merry Christmas and uh, we'll look forward to great things in uh, 2023. Yeah, Bob, thank you always for taking the time and, and, and speaking so highly of the organization and giving us the opportunity. And thank you to all your your listenership. I mean, um, we are just so blessed to have folks that support us. And, you know, we'll work. Just know that we're grateful for the support and just know that we'll work our tails off to make sure that uh, we help people as best as we can. Very good. Thanks. Blake, a real quick question. If somebody yeah. wants to make a Christmas donation or a New Year's donation, uh, what, uh, where can they send a check or, a, uh, you know, however people pay, do those things nowadays? Well, I always think of the basics first. Call our number, 916-456-1980. Call the food bank. Just uh, mail a check to us uh, or go online, sacramentofoodbank.org and you can make a, a donation right online, or you can come volunteer. Okay. Uh, we, we, yeah, absolutely, and for every dollar you uh, support us, we can provide five meals. It's quite a return on investment. Very good. Well, thanks so much, Blake. God bless, and we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Bob. Yeah, take care. That's uh, Blake Young, the uh, president and CEO of the Sacramento Food Bank. Uh, just uh, one of those people that uh, we're lucky to have in Sacramento. And again, uh, you know, Father Dan Madigan and a small group of people uh, at Immaculate Conception Parish uh, in Oak Park uh, years ago got together. Reminds me of uh, how Loaves and Fishes was founded, how uh, Sacramento Food, uh, Sacramento Life Center was founded, uh, the Bishop Gagos Maternity Home was founded. Uh, a, a small group of people decided there was a need. Or, or certainly recognized a need. Yeah, but those those uh, organizations didn't have to decide anything. The the need's obvious, and have, have made a, a huge huge difference in our world uh, here in the Sacramento area and 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 throughout the diocese. There the, the, these types of organizations are are spread all the way throughout the diocese. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the, the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, 
turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. This is James McCormick, President and CEO of the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, James, and uh, thanks for all, all the Choral Society and Orchestra does in this great uh, Diocese of Sacramento. I saw their uh, took my family, uh, uh, my wife and I took our family to the uh, Christmas concert, the uh, Home for the Holidays uh, at the Memorial Auditorium last weekend, and just a, just a wonderful, wonderful performance by the Choral Society and Orchestra, a real treasure to have here in Sacramento. Well, we are pleased to welcome in Kathleen Domingo, who's the Executive Director of the California Catholic Conference here in the Diocese of Sacramento, which represents all of the bishops of the state of California. Kathleen, good day to you. Hi, Bob. How are you today? Doing doing fine. Good to hear your Great. voice. It's been a while. Uh, we've had, uh, well, I think we've had an election since since we talked. Um, we have indeed, yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, we've had elections all over, all over the, uh, all over the country. Um, here we are in a post-election world. Uh, I guess everybody hasn't been sworn in yet, but uh, uh, some changes happened Federally, a few changes happened in California. Some, some good, some bad. Um, how do you assess uh, where you folks are here at the conference? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the election was definitely interesting. Um, we, as you know, did a lot of work around Proposition One this right. year. Um, we, you know, worked as as diligently as we could. We shared the message as, as well as we could, and unfortunately we did not win um, on Prop 1. So that, um, I think, was a, a hard loss for so many Catholics, hopefully many of your listeners who were, you know, a part of all of that effort. Mm-hmm. Um, but we always knew that it was an incredibly uphill battle in deep blue California to make any headway on an abortion initiative. And so, um, you know, I think we have to recognize that there was a huge value in the process, and our bishops in California um, have never been more engaged on anything <laughs> ever mm-hmm. as, um, as much as they were on Prop 1. And what we saw is deeply into our parishes, you know, we had so many priests who were working really hard and so many parishes that were organizing and demonstrating and, and doing so many things that there is really now this amazing groundswell of people in California, in our parishes, who want to know what's next, what they can do, and how they can be of help. So I think that was a really good outcome, even though it was it was couched in a loss and in a really heartbreaking loss. It was still a very good outcome for us in the election. In terms of legislators, um, man, we have a real opportunity here in California. We have, you know, 30-plus brand-new legislators Mm -hmm. this year, which is amazingly huge. Um, Again, that's never happened before, that we've had so many brand-new faces um, around the Capitol this year. We'll be, you know, able to to get to know them and kind of find out what they want to do. And... So we still have a supermajority of Democrats in both houses in California. 
Um, and so that means that some things will be easier for us and some things will be significantly harder for us. But what we also know is that there's lots of room for common ground on things that we all agree on. And particularly with these new legislators, they haven't really been tested on voting for certain kinds of things. And so we're eager to get in there and, and meet them and, and let them know who we are as the Catholic Conference. And sometimes they only know one thing or two things about us, but they don't know um, for example, you know, all the work that we do for women and children and families, all the work that we do to care for creation, all the work that we do on the social safety net. So that's a really good opportunity for us. Um, and at the federal level, you know, we are um, we're looking right now at a lame duck session and we're looking ahead to a divided Congress, which means we don't have a lot of hope that a great many things will be accomplished, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, so it, it'll be a really interesting time politically. But I think it's also a time for the church to really assess um, both in California and nationally, you know, where do we kind of go from here? I think um, the Dobbs decision is still weighing over our heads. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are, are really questioning, you know, what do we do now? How do we engage in the culture in an effective way? So of, of the, the, the 30 or so that uh, exchanged here in California, how many of those were termed out and how many could you actually – say, maybe represented a difference in philosophy? Well, so we did have some seats turn over. And then, of course, with redistricting, mm -hmm. with redistricting we did have some of those um, changes to the district. So, you know, a, a blue district turned red or vice versa. Right. Um, so we had a couple of those. Um, we did have some people turn out, uh, turn out, but we had, um, I think it's, it's between 15 and 20, who were just brand new. People just decided to... Um, leave their position and let someone else come in. And then, of course, we lost a district in California. So all of those things combined, um, sort of a perfect storm for all of these brand-new faces that will be at the Capitol, um, you know, with brand-new um, um, teams and, and staff members coming in. And so just a lot of um, turnover and a, a really good energy, I feel like, at the, at the, in Sacramento right now, at the capital, of um, just kind of an a interest in seeing what comes next and what we can do kind of with a lot of these, these fresh faces and fresh ideas. Yeah, and of course, for, for uh, people that maybe don't follow this closely, uh, California, we, we do have term limits in both the, the Senate and the Assembly, but uh, Congressional uh, Senate and the House of Representatives, uh, it's a non-starter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll ever happen uh, to have term limits. But, right. but we did, as you pointed out, lose a congressional seat. That's right. Just just yeah. based on, on, which are based on population. And uh, uh, we lost a little bit of population compared to other places uh, that were gaining population. So mm -hmm. that was an interesting, I, 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 I got to believe that's the first time in history that's happened to California, but I'm not sure. In California, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, um, so right, so between all of those, you know, different factors kind of combining. And then, of course, people will go from, they might be in the Assembly for a while, and then they might switch to the Senate, and then they might go back and, mm -hmm. and serve, you know, on a county board of supervisors in, in, in their districts, and they might come back to Sacramento in a different capacity. So we do have, we have lots of, um, sometimes they're familiar faces that have been around before, sometimes they're brand new. We have a lot of younger faces this time around, and um so it really does give us an opportunity to um, to kind of start fresh at the beginning of a new two-year cycle. So, um, so far, the the um, legislature came in, like you said, many of the folks were sworn in um, a, a week ago, and um, we have 150 bills that have already been um, submitted, 
Hmm. And when they come back in January, we know they're going to start with a bang. And, you know, we always have thousands of bills in California every year. So it'll be a big deluge as, as they, they hit the ground running in the new year. There, you know, I, I know the the conference, uh, obviously, uh, we're very strong on life issues and a preferential option for the poor, et cetera. Uh, and, and the conference itself doesn't propose legislation. But are, are there general areas that you're especially looking at uh, as, as we head into the new year? Absolutely. So the bishops of California have really um, taken uh, some time to do some some sort of deep um, thinking about where we want to be and how we want to be positioned in California. And we've decided that our best position really is focusing on strengthening healthy families in California. Mm -hmm. How can we put a real focus on making sure that families can flourish in California, that we're caring for women and children and families, and that we are really assessing the economy um, and and different initiatives um, against are they helping families or are they harming families? Are they making it easier for families to flourish in California or are they making it more difficult? And I think that that's a really good lens for us. There are a lot of bills that we take a look at and we follow um, that might be you know, supported or opposed by other organizations, by other groups. The bishops don't feel compelled to act on every single bill. In fact, there are many bills that some people even ask, well, why aren't you talking about this? And I said, well, it's really not something that, that we need to talk about. Other groups are talking about that. Other people are doing that. We don't have to say, we don't have something to say about every single bill. We're going to really focus and, and, again, look through that lens of the family. How can we encourage people to get married and stay married? How can we encourage people um, to have children and keep them healthy? How can we encourage um, children to thrive um, in, in education and in nutrition and, and in health? And all of those ways in our state, how can we make it easier for families to engage in home ownership and, and, and keep their jobs and, and participate in the economy in such a way that's um, profitable for their families but also profitable for the community? Like, how can all of those things work together? And so I think that's a really good place for us to be right now um, at this time, at this moment, um, when, you know, we have seen California families really struggling to, to be able to prioritize that. Yeah, I- I'm, I'm going to vote for you, Kathleen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, wow. You know, they they always talk about making sausage in the in the legislature, and it 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 must be. Uh, can you explain the process that you folks go through as as a bills maybe are about to be uh, introduced, uh, whether it's whether it's through the legislature or maybe the governor's office is pushing something or the attorney general's office is pushing something. Uh, the process that you folks go through in terms of analyzing, like say you're not going to have a position on every single bill, um, but what process you go through in, in deciding where to kind of draw a line in the sand and, and really take a stand on something? Yeah, so that's a good question, and uh, you, you definitely don't want to know how the sausage is made because it's a painstaking <laughs> process. Um, you know, as I said, every year um, – California legislature will propose about 3,000 bills. That's, a, that's just a ton. And um, it, it's far more than, you know, most other states and, and just a lot to kind of slog through. Um, and, and then there's a two-step process. Um, part of it is legislation and part of it is the budget process, um, which really is um, what allocates funding for a lot of the proposals that um, go through the legislative process, but also other proposals that just go through the budget process. So we pay attention to both. We act on both. Um 
And so as the bills are proposed, well, even before, I should step back and say, you know, we begin conversations um, long before the bills are introduced um, to just kind of get a lay of the land, to, you know, to find out from maybe those legislators with whom we work most closely um, what they're thinking of proposing and um, things we could be um, in support of and things we need to be concerned about. And then as the bills um, are proposed, you know, we just keep an eye on those. We watch those. They go through, as you know, um, sometimes multiple amendments throughout the, the season. And so we have to keep up on um, the language changes. We have to make sure that we're meeting with legislators, meeting with their staffers, talking, you know, about amendments that we would like to propose. Um, and also keeping an eye on that budget. So the, the budget, the governor's um, initial budget will come out in, in January. And then we work behind the scenes with sort of all of the other people in Sacramento. They're trying to scramble and mm-hmm. put their line items in the budget and get, you know, um, usually it's increased <laughs> um, allocation for sure. their, their pet project. And then the May revise comes out, and then we have to look at the budget all over again. So it's, it's a painstaking process, um, but, you know, it really is it's, – it's a lot of good work because what we get to do is we get to talk to a lot of people. And what, what a lot of folks don't know, um, because it's just not – I mean, we don't broadcast it, is that a ton of work gets done behind the scenes in all those months where you don't hear a lot about what's happening um, until things start going to, to big committee votes and floor votes a little bit later in the late spring, is all of that is getting hashed out behind the scenes. And so the more we have relationships with some legislator offices, the more we can go in really early and say, you know, this bill has a lot of potential, but we have some problems with this. Or how can we make this better? Or did you notice that you have this bill and this other legislator has another bill, and we think that if you work together, it might be helpful. And so things like that where we can, you know, really be a part of that process. Again, not with every bill. We, my goodness, we can't handle all 3,000. Right. <laughs> but certainly with those that are closest to sort of the heart of the bishops and really do um, – have you know integral pieces that are tied to to the uh, the, the actions of our faith in in the public square how how often uh, you know you we just talk about division these days and i i understand that the supermajority in in the california legislature which is certainly different than the the us congress but how often is there bipartisanship anymore on on certain bills other than a, you know a proclamation giving somebody an award or something very rarely, yeah. to be honest. Um, it's very rare. There are so few Republicans now that they're not actually needed to pass anything. Right. And so, so you don't um, need to, to throw something in to throw a crumb to somebody. That's right. Um, so, so I think what the Republicans really do is they try to represent their districts. They try to represent mm-hmm. their interests. Um, and very often, you know, they'll, they'll – um, They'll work with Democrats on particular um, pieces of legislation and maybe try to move them in a particular direction. Mm-hmm. Or say, hey, have you thought about this? Or have you thought, can we, can we talk about how this affects families? Can we talk about how this affects the economy and how it's jobs and things like that that are you know, maybe a little bit more of interest to, to the Republican folks? Um, and so it does work out in many events, although um, it certainly is difficult to govern in a supermajority of either party because there really isn't a great need um, to walk across the aisle. And so what we find is, you know, rather than it being a partisan positioning here in Sacramento, more and more it's becoming um, 
how blue are you? <laughs> are you deep, deep blue? Are you more of a royal blue? Are you light blue? Right. right? And and so um, it really is, you know, especially for our perspective, really looking to those folks who might be a little bit more moderate and maybe a little bit more open to some of the ideas that we have. Although even, even um, legislators that, you know, we would consider um, very deep blue, um, there, sometimes there are things that we really connect well on. Um, especially some of the social safety net um, topics where we really want to make sure that families are being taken care of and especially the most vulnerable in our communities. Yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting dynamic uh, where where you folks are. You're you're one of the few organizations that lobbies and and, uh, supports uh, legislation on both sides of the aisle for sure. That's right. Mm -hmm. You, You can't pigeonhole the catholic church as much as as much as i think we get pigeonholed tremendously usually um it's just not it's just sort of unfairly i guess in 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 many cases uh uh even on the quote-unquote big ticket items or the big headline items um we're we're all over the map in a very good way um a very consistent way i think a consistent ethic of life consistent ethic for uh, the poor uh, for fair wages uh, for the family, um, uh, all things that I, every everything I see you folks propose, I I say why don't why isn't that eighty to nothing in the in the assembly and forty to nothing in the senate or whatever the numbers are nowadays, <laughs> you know, um, right. and an automatic sign is is the governor is the legislature the democratic legislature and, and we don't do politics here or take sides but. Are they pretty much in lockstep with the governor, or are there significant differences uh, with the governor, like when he will propose a budget, and obviously it's got to be approved by the legislature? I would say there are still really significant differences. Uh Um, You know, we saw that last year uh, with some of the environmental policy that Mm -hmm. was put through um, that had some real concern, right, from the legislature and things like that. I would say the same is true with the homelessness policy. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of concern out in the cities by people who are, um, you know, in, in the same party as the governor who were really calling out and saying, hey, we need to have um, a real understanding of how this is going to be implemented. Or we have um, still many, many situations where there's legislation passed to help the, the homeless population to get people housed, um, and yet it just falls down at um, the local municipality level, so counties and things like that, where it just gets mired in, in just endless bureaucracy. And, um, you know, we, we have, I just read in the L.A. Times, I think, just this week, um, that, you know, people are getting vouchers for Section 8 housing and being told you're going to have to wait almost a decade and wow. even use that voucher to find ha- There's just no housing available. And the problem is that we're just not building fast enough. It's it's getting mired into in the local um, politics, the local just bureaucratic mess. Well, and there's so, a, an awful know, lot of not in my backyard for sure. <laughs> there is all of that too, and so we really find in that in those situations that it's people on the same side of the the aisle um, who really are you know trying to I think very respectfully work together, but at the same time say, hey, hold on, you know, and almost serve. Um, the purpose that that sort of a um, you know across the aisle spokesperson would to say, hey, listen, you need to actually fix this legislation. You need to come back with something else that's going to help, and and the implementation is the problem. Um, and so um, we do see that a lot, where there there um, 
it's not a two-party system in California, but it has to function that way because there have to be checks and balances and there have to be people holding others accountable. And so um, it will happen within the party as opposed to um, cross-party lines, but it still does happen. So is there any discussion, probably not of Laudato Si specifically, but of the values and issues that are discussed in Laudato Si? There are definitely internally, definitely in our dioceses and parishes, we spend you know a lot of time talking about how um, we can do a better job at the state level. There are uh, there are a lot of sort of high level discussions that have to do with um, how how the state operates, how corporations operate, and things like that. And we tend to stay out of those discussions, recognizing that we are not necessarily experts in a lot of those conversations. But there are very many opportunities for us to step in and say um, it's important that all families have access to clean water. It's important mm-hmm. that all families have access to affordable power. It's important, um, you know, that all of our children can be able to go to school in schools that are clean and the air is healthy and, you know, um, the building is healthy for them and things like that. And, and that's really where we um, sort of come um, together with these legislators to say, what can we do again? through that lens of how can we help families, right? And how can we how can we care for God's creation in such a way that our children and our grandchildren and generations to come really do have the ability to appreciate the world in the same way that we do. I mean that's you know that's very important. So um, so it's it, you know we, we participate in those conversations um, while also recognizing that there are some conversations um, that are a lot larger than what we can be involved in. And you don't very often get involved in in uh, the national scene, but you do on occasion. Yes, we do on occasion. Mm-hmm. But would would those occasions be like immigration as it affects uh, California, et cetera? So we were. I was actually just out in Washington D.C. a couple of weeks ago, and I did some lobbying on the Hill um, with USCCB folks and. Yeah, we did. We did actually a couple of different um, different topics at that time. We did talk about immigration, and we had um, um, three different things we were working on: the the Afghan Adjustment Act, so mm-hmm. for all of those um, Afghani reg- refugees, making sure that they have the ability to, you know, be welcomed into our communities, and that, that that's fast tracked for them, so they don't fall through the cracks. The Farm uh, Workforce Modernization Act, which is really helping. Um, our farm workers, and that's very important for us in California, but all over the country, right, making sure that that, that workforce can, can stay here, that they're treated well, there's a pathway to citizenship as much as possible. Um, and then also, you know, as, as always, we're working for um, permanent protection for DREAMers. So we, we worked on those things. At the same time, we were working on um, some other issues, um, the, the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, mm-hmm. really making sure that um, women in the workforce who are expecting um, have those accommodations that they need. We worked on a, a Medicaid expansion bill, um, essentially saying that um, we would like all states to include um, 12 months of Medicaid for mm-hmm. women postpartum to, again, reduce um, as much as we possibly can um, maternal um, mortality rates, but also really just help women and children to thrive, right? Um, after <laughs> I know after after moms have babies, they need to go to the doctor and they need to, to yep. take care of themselves. They need access to all that. So, and then of course the child tax credit, which is really something that we are hoping um, will be enshrined into law and will be kept in law. And that's just that tax credit for as many children as possible, um, as much as we can possibly give to families. We know that that is um, probably the biggest anti-poverty um, 
solution that we have right now in the country. We've seen it work, and we think that that's something really positive. So yeah, we, do, we do act on those things. And, and again, it's a great opportunity to go on the Hill and say, we're talking about these issues that are kind of left-leaning issues. We're talking about these other issues that might be more right-leaning issues. And it doesn't matter because we're talking about Catholic issues from a Catholic perspective about families. And that's, that's where we live, and that's, that's our role. Very good. Well, Kathleen, uh, we've, we're up against the clock here. I greatly appreciate you taking the time to be with us, uh, all the great work you do, and I hope that you and your family and your, all the staff there at the, at the conference and all our bishops and clergy have a happy and holy and Merry Christmas. Thanks so much, Bob. You too. Take care. That's, uh, that's Kathleen Domingo, who's the executive director of the California Catholic Conference, which represents all the bishops uh, throughout the state of California in every diocese. Uh, that's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. We'll talk to you again soon. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of, ministry, of Mi Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Zero, zero. And we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, longstanding support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town. 
uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour, uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. Inside of me, I feel your speed. 